Wanted to get into this. Uh, retired Supreme Court Justice Louise Arbour accusing Canadian military leaders of dragging their feet when it comes to fighting sexual misconduct in the ranks. That sounds familiar, doesn't it? Doesn't sound like much has changed over years now. She delivered the scathing indictment while appearing before a parliamentary committee yesterday, about six months after she issued dozens of recommendations to improve the military's handling of inappropriate and even criminal sexual misconduct. Now, around the same time or just prior to that, the Defence Minister Anita Anand gave Parliament an update on the military's progress in acting on those recommendations. Anand says all of the recommendations have been accepted, but our board says there are clear signs that military leaders are resisting many of them. Donna Rigadell is a retired major with the Canadian Army and co-founder of Survivor Perspectives Consulting Group, which provides military sexual trauma survivor perspectives, training and solution uh, solutions right across the country. Donna, welcome back to the show. Thank you for having me. Donna, we, we continue to be having this conversation. We've been having, me and you, you and I have been having this conversation, I don't know, for 10 years now. And uh, just when it seems that maybe um, things might be happening, then we hear from retired Supreme Court Justice Arbour saying that once again, things aren't being done or quickly enough. What are your thoughts? You know, I, I agree with uh, with Madame Arbour, uh, very smart lady. I had the awesome opportunity to speak to her team when they were digging into this, uh, and I, I have the same sort of apprehension about it. I mean, it, it's great that they're saying they want to, you know, accept all recommendations, but I really want to hear about how that's going to be implemented because all I'm all I'm hearing, all everybody's hearing, is just, you know, we're going to do it. We have a plan, but we just don't have, you know, timelines or implementation or anything like that. And that's really, you know, where the rubber meets the road. So. Oh, great. How are you going to do it? What are you going to do? All of that. Those questions still remain. So when you were listening to the defense minister yesterday, did um, did that give you any hope about um, that things will get moving or things uh, should get moving shortly? Or are you still just waiting? I mean, I try really hard to have hope. I often tell people, I'm like, you know, our group is, is a couple of very, very, a group of very hopeful uh, rape victims, for lack of better, rape survivors, for lack of better to put it. But, um, you know, it's getting harder and harder to, I mean, this will be in my lifetime the fourth time. Mm -hmm. I've heard, oh, this time is different and we're going to grip it. So I want to believe uh, the MND. She sounds, you know, she also very educated woman, very decisive. But, you know, until I actually see the plan or have an idea how they're going to go about doing it, it's really hard to have faith. Yeah, and that's got to be tough for so many people uh, right now. I know a lot of uh, folks have wanted to see uh, that the handling of any of cases turned over to, you know, outside of the military. This, um, despite saying, I think if I remember correctly, saying that this was going to be happening, there has been some delays on that. Why is that such an important key to all of this? Um, I think it's important because obviously there's a lack of trust in the system. Um, you know, so many of us have kind of gotten, you know, um, gone into and made the reports and, and, you know, trusted in the chain of command and trusted in it. And don't get me wrong, it's tough everywhere. A sexual assault remains, unfortunately, a really tough crime to prosecute. But, you know, um, not getting the resources, not getting the support, not, you know, getting the messages and everything else, the betrayal is very real, especially when you're working with people that, you know, you should be able to trust them with your life so that's it, it's important that it gets handed over people can handle it my concern of course is just that that's an ex bag too you know 
all the systems are backed up right now. Even, you know, before COVID, it was 18 months to three years mm-hmm. from reporting to when it gets to a courtroom, which is a long time for, for your life to be in limbo to wait. And then you add on to that, you know, COVID delays and everything else, and then a misunderstanding on how the military system works. It's, it's one of those things where I, I definitely don't disagree with it, but I'm really tentative about it as well. So, um, as I said off the top, so here we are continuing to uh, have this conversation. We've seen report after report after report. Um, what would be number one priority right now, Donna? What, you know, out of all of this, what would that number one priority be um, the most important thing to get done right away? I think the most important thing to still be getting done right away, because for some reason they still seem to be missing it, is that support piece. And I don't mean, you know, the SMRC. The SMRC, the Sexual Misconduct Response, they're a great resource, you know, very, very qualified people. I mean, though, each other. Like, we train our people on all first aid, you know, on how to support each other, on how to make sure that we can, you know, patch you up and get you to, to further help, because, you know, we do a dangerous job and it's important to be able to know how to do that. But we need to be teaching people how to have these conversations how to, you know, engage, how to support each other, how to, what things to say, what not to say, and we're still missing the boat on that. And that is so important because if you can support a, uh, somebody when they come forward right at first blush, mm-hmm. you've already started that healing. Right now you might not lose that person. Now they might stay and, and continue to chase their dream of serving in uniform. That's powerful. We, we can stop bleeding people and losing them. People don't have to, this doesn't have to be a career-ending injury. You can heal from this. You can continue to have all the potential and chase the dream that you want and, and not have it sort of dictated for you. You can heal and you can be, you know, as strong as capable as you were prior to it. It's just a matter of showing people how. Donna, we have heard, um, you know, quite clearly, especially over the past couple of years, about the Canadian Armed Forces um, recruitment and retention problem. And we know there's a lot of layers to that. Um, admittedly, there's there's a number of different layers. What needs to be done on this front? to um, to aid with that recruitment and retention portion for the Canadian Armed Forces? Well, I mean, I don't know anybody that'll join um, a military or an organization that they can't trust, especially to have their back, right? We, It's not about trusting each other with our lives. It's knowing that I can trust, you know, my peers, my leaders, my subordinates with my body as well. So until we get to the point that people recognize, you know, that um, the institution can support you. And yeah, we will we'll make sure that, you know, if you're injured, we will cover you off, make sure you get the support and everything that you need. People aren't going to join. And those that have to go through it, you're losing the people that are suffering, but you're also losing people that are supporting them because they don't want to stay in an organization that they witnessed that betrayal too. So until we stop bleeding people and start making things, again, it's not about trying to go back to the you know the previous because people are getting hurt then too Mm -hmm. obviously you know we have a lot of legacy cases it's about building something strong now something that will last something that's better that's worthy again of the people that wear the uniform are you optimistic um given what you heard (laughs) yesterday uh from uh madame justice um arbor and the defense minister that that can happen, that the people, that the right people are in the right places to do this. 
Um, I, I think that, I mean, I know we, our group is still running into barriers and, and people would be surprised as to where those are. But I will say that we also, you know, see the best in people coming through. We see some amazing, you know, um, people, the lights coming on, people understanding that the roles that they can play in addressing this issue, regardless of, you know, before, you know, what, what they've done in the past. Because we've all, you know, done stuff in the past. We've all lended ourselves to this culture so we all have a part to play in fixing it once you start to you know sort of sketch out what that looks like people are on board with it so i think it's i i I wouldn't be doing this if i didn't have hope but it's hard and donna when you're when you're delivering the the training uh programs and some of those bystander training programs as well and you're and, and and you're explaining okay well no if this happens this could be perceived as this or it would be perceived as this you see that light switch go on that light go oh oh that has to be um that has to be what's the right word um you know uh it it has to be give you optimism that things can change that things are changing because let's be real i hate to paint everybody in the same brush i don't think that's fair we can't do that no no, and I agree with you. We cannot, and we and we should never do that. No, there is so much optimism and hope when you're in a room full of people and all of a sudden you start to see that dawning realization mm-hmm. that, you know what, your experience, for example, RMC is a good example. There are people that went through RMC and see that as a completely positive, you know, mm-hmm giant experience, a formative experience in their life, and then there are others that literally, obviously experience nightmares. Neither one of those experiences invalidate the other. They are both completely valid and, and representative of what those people went through. It's about understanding that and accepting people where they are and yeah. then say, okay, now how can we mm. move past this together collaboratively? And, and it's coming to that moment. So it's not about blame. It's not about throwing a bit into the bus or saying, you know, all the fault rests with this demographic or this group of people. It's about saying, you know what, if we want this to be the organization that we know it can be we have to work together together yeah excuse me change uh takes time and it just seems that um you know a lot of folks want this to happen maybe a little faster than what uh this massive organization is able to do I mean, I agree, but I also, I, I always use caution with that kind of comment just because, you know what, like for me, I've been waiting since 1993. Diane Rose, another survivor, she's been waiting since the 80s. Like, yes, it takes time, but we've also, this is now, like I said, the fourth time that we've yeah. been told this time is different and we'll take it seriously. So let's start seeing some, let's start making some more steps. Like we, we know where, you know, we know some of the problems. We may not know everything, mm-hmm. but, you know, how about some concurrent activity? So let's start working on this. Yeah, I, I wish the Canadian Armed Forces, and actually I was on a, on a conference call not too long ago with uh, the Chief of Defence Staff and the Defence Minister. We were talking in part about this, and I asked the question, you know, what are you doing? What are you doing to let Canadians know and let your members know uh, the changes? And I think that's one of the things that um, the Canadian Armed Forces could do uh, much better, and, and that would be to let um, those um, who have, have lived through this and let uh, Canadians know, okay, well, what the hell are you actually doing? Show me, show me the change, show me what's happening. Yeah, no, there, there. I mean, survivors can't be the only voice in this, obviously, yeah. but we are an important voice. So it does come down to, you know, letting us have a space and talking. I mean, we're the ones that have been through it. 
So letting, giving us the opportunity to show you where the gaps are so that hopefully we can clear some of these landmines that we've had to go through yeah. so somebody coming behind us doesn't have to. Yeah, let's hope uh, that happens very soon. Donna, always appreciate your time and your insight. Thank you for joining me. Thank you. Yeah, Bye. take care. Uh, Major retired Donna Rigadell uh, checking in this afternoon. It's coming up to 319. We'll take a pause here. More on the other side. Stay with us.